Let me ask you if you would to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And it's with a little sadness I, I tell you that um, next week will be our last in our series in Ephesians. What an amazing book this has been uh, from my perspective, the, uh, the depths and the riches. Uh, I think what's really amazing about it is we could go back and start it all over and I could preach all different sermons and, and not touch the exact same things, and we still wouldn't begin to get to the full depths of it. And that's, that's the, the wonder of God's Word. Uh, next week I'll tell you where we're going to be headed uh, in future weeks, and we also uh, will be having um, communion as well. We are in Ephesians uh, 6, and I'm going to begin with the 14th verse. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, we come to you and in prayer, even as we're about to talk about prayer. But Lord, it is, it is in this moment, in this act, where you see fit, by your grace, to show your power. Will you impress that upon us, Lord? We need encouragement in prayer. And so we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now last week we, we talked about reading the Word. And I hope that, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I hope that this week you've been reading at least your ten verses a day. And, uh, I mean, that's a minimum, 45 seconds, remember that? But uh, from last Sunday evening on throughout the week, I have had people of all ages say that they are doing that. I, don't, I think it's, uh, you know, for real believers, 
pretty much a no-brainer that most of us would say that we need to uh, read God's Word more. Well, here we are again this week when it comes to prayer. And in essence, I think it's another non-controversial sermon in terms of the subject itself. I will ask for a show of hands. Is there anybody in here that is opposed to prayer? Okay? Of course not. Nobody's going to raise their hand to that. And in fact, if we took a survey, I suspect that all of you would say, yes, I need to pray and I need to pray more. Well, the question is, why don't we if we feel that way? What is it that holds us back from doing that which we say is a good thing It would be good if we did more of it, good for us, good for our church, good for our community and our world. Isn't that enough to to give us incentive to pray more? So what holds us back? Well, I'll give you some categories. For some of you, you, you may be thinking, well, what is it? Well, it's probably time. It's, it's hard for me to put in the time it takes to pray. Or maybe as you look into your own heart, you just say, it's just, it's just laziness. I'm just not willing to put in the work of prayer. It is hard work, and I don't have the energy to do all the things that I need to do, much less the energy to struggle to focus on prayer. Maybe some of you have theological concerns. You know, maybe you're, you're saying, look, from the pulpit you tell us that God is in control, that He knows all things. Well, if that's the case, why do I need to pray? But whenever there's a a theological issue, it's always important to uh, kind of attack the, the statement itself and make sure it's accurate. Is that an accurate statement? And I would say, yes, God is in control. And yes, He knows the content of your prayer. And so... You, you may wonder, well, if I'm going to pray and it's, I'm not informing him, I'm not going to surprise him, can, can my request, can my supplication change anything if I pray? No? In this way. R.C. Sproul says, when God sovereignly declares that He's going to do something, all the prayers in the world aren't going to change God's mind. But here's the key. 
But God not only ordains the ends, in other words, what's going to happen, he also ordains means to those ends. And part of the process he uses to bring his sovereign will to pass are the prayers of his people, and so we are to pray. You get it? In other words, what it's saying is that that God ordains whatsoever is going to come to pass, But he says he also ordained that a a part of what will bring that to pass are our prayers. And so, we pray out of obedience and love for him. Some of you may be held back because of your own experiences in prayer. You can't tell whether your prayers have ever made any difference. Maybe you feel like your prayers never get to as high as the ceiling. At least we have a high ceiling here. It gets closer, right? But you feel like, how do I know? I, I don't know if I've had actual things I can pinpoint in terms of answers to prayer. I've just tried to pick a few things. You can fill in your own blank of if you answered that question, yes, I should pray more, and, and you'd, you're, you're wondering why don't I pray more. Figure it out. Fill it in yourself. But I want to throw one more out here because I believe that while those categories all may be hindrances, I believe this is our biggest problem. We underestimate the urgency of prayer. If we understood that urgency, most of those other objections would go away. Most of them would be answered. Most of them would be dealt with if we understood why it is urgent that we pray. So let's take a look at our passage. Why we are to pray according to Ephesians 6. And this is related to the previous few sermons. If if this is your first Sunday or you, you missed a couple of Sundays, I encourage you to listen online because it all fits together with, with the armor, but with the, the need for the armor is because of the spiritual battle we are in and because of the nature of the enemy. Uh, so we read in verse 11, put on, on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's what we've talked about the last three weeks. And this section is capped off with Paul talking about prayer. He's gone through the armor. He's talked about the Word of God. And right on the heels of that, he talks about prayer. John Piper says, we cannot know what prayer 
is for until we know that life is war. If we're not at war, if none of the things we've been talking about in the last several weeks are true, then prayer is not urgent. But if you've been convinced that there indeed is spiritual warfare going on around us, the need for the armor, the need for the Word of God, then this is absolutely essential because we are at war. And prayer is engaging in warfare. Now that's different than what I just said. I said we are at war, but prayer is engaging in warfare. There's a difference between those two things. We can be at war as a country and rightfully state that, yes, we are at war and we can know that it's true, but it's our brave soldiers that are actually engaged in war. It's one thing to admit there is such a thing as spiritual warfare. It's quite another to step up and engage in the fight. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So here at the end of the passage about warfare, the warfare that we are in, Paul talks about the key, and that's a continuation of this section about spiritual warfare where he's talked about all this defensive armor. He's talked about the offensive weapon, which is the sword, the Word of God, and then immediately in that same sentence, he applies it with prayer. And I'm convinced the reason he does that is because prayer should permeate everything that has gone before. In other words, the, the word, uh, all of the armor, the fact that we are in battle, prayer needs to uh, absolutely infuse every part of that if we are to continue to engage. Again, I'm, I'm quoting John Piper. He says, prayer is a, a communication with headquarters by which the, the weapons of warfare are deployed according to the will of God. But he's also made the point that, that too often our prayers are more like we're sitting in our living room and we, we touch the intercom and we order some more pillows for our sofa rather than a walkie-talkie communicating back to headquarters, calling in what we need to win the battle. Now, as I've thought about that vivid picture, that's convicting to me. How often are our prayers about our comfort, about that which will make it better for me floating through my life, rather than cutting edge, 
knowing we are in a battle, desperately crying out for help from the only one that can help us in this battle. That's what Paul says it is. We've domesticated prayer, he says, by making it something to call for civilian conveniences. And when that happens, it's, it's going to quit working. E.M. Bounds, who wrote some classic works on prayer, said the prayer closet is the battlefield of the church. It's citadel, the scene of heroic and unearthly conflicts. The closet is the uh, base of supplies for the Christian in the church. Cut off from it, there is nothing left but retreat and disaster. Do you hear these, these warfare kind of terms? Well, that's coming right from, from the Scripture, from the Word of God. And wars bring out the worst and can bring out the best in people. But they never leave those who have engaged in it the same. During wars, even uh, what people talk about changes. If you remember back to 9-11, we had just a small taste of that. Do you remember? Do you remember how right afterwards when there weren't any planes in the sky and, and, and we were all engaged with that, talking about those things, what's next, what do we do, what's our life going to look like, and so on. Even our... Politicians were arm in arm for a brief moment. But then things went back to being the same, didn't they? Remember how many flags were up in front of homes during that time? And on the 4th of July, I'm not bragging because I've always done it, but I, mine was the only flag I saw on our whole street. If it had been that Fourth of July after 9-11, the whole street. And, and that's our tendency, isn't it? But in real war, things change. I've told you my dad was in World War II in Korea. During World War II, he was basically gone for four years. He, he didn't come home on leave or vacation or anything else. And that day, people relied on newspapers and newsreels to know how our troops were doing according to the newspapers and newsreels. Families talked about their sons and daughters on the line. They wrote them. They prayed for them. They had heart-wrenching concern for them. In war, people spend money differently. Those things that were luxuries become less important. Luxury liners become troop ships. A true war effort touches everyone. Paul tells us we are in a spiritual war. When we understand that, if we really begin to grasp that, we will be changed and it will change our prayer life. So how are we to pray according 
to the Apostle Paul. We're going to go through this very quickly. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The first thing, praying at all times, verse 18, in the Spirit. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father through Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit. That's biblical prayer. Listen to what Paul said over in Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, this is his role, part of his role. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever felt that way? I don't even know what to pray for. What if I'm not praying according to God's will and And so we don't pray. He says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I find this most encouraging. Because there's a lot of times when I go to prayer and I I don't know what to pray for. I'm not sure how to pray. And so the answer is not to stop praying. It's to keep praying and then let the Holy Spirit do His work, which is to to take my feeble prayer where I don't even know what to say and let Him intercede. Repray it in essence. Through the Son to the Father. And the the promise is what the Holy Spirit prays for is always right. That's encouraging to me. And then he, he says praying at all times in the Spirit. Sounds hard. Sometimes. Maybe most of the time Praying is going to be hard. Charles Spurgeon, who was the British Baptist Calvinist, that's about all the labels I can come up with for him, but those all describe how he would describe himself. He said this, We should pray when we are in a praying mood. For it would be sinful to neglect so fair an opportunity Pray when you're in a praying mood. We should pray when we're not in a proper mood, for it would be dangerous to remain in so unhealthy a condition. You get it? That's how we pray at all times. So if you feel like it, pray. Don't waste that. If you don't feel like it, you better pray because you should feel like it. He was right. We've said it's warfare and it's crucial in the battle. Soldiers don't only fight when they feel like it. When they're in the mood. And then he talks about alertness and persistence or perseverance. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. 
Sometime go back and read Luke 18, the first five verses. It's the parable about the persistent widow. And it talks about this, this widow who wanted justice, and so she went to this judge that neither feared God nor respected man. I don't know if that makes you a good judge or not, but that's the description. Because he's about to contrast that judge with the one who will judge the entire universe. And he says, this, this woman kept coming back to this judge, and eventually he gave her justice. But here's what Jesus said. How much more will not the righteous judge give justice to his elect? That persistence. Keep praying. I told you about William Gurnall. He's the one that wrote that big work on these few verses. He said this, some prayers have a longer voyage than others. But they return with the richer lading at last so that the praying soul is a gainer by waiting for an answer. Keep praying. And then what should I pray? Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So he uses the phrase, all prayer. That probably means all kinds of prayer from (coughs) praise and adoration, confession, thanksgiving, intercession, supplication, formal, informal, silent, vocal, secret, public, petitionary, all kinds of prayer. Keep praying. That's what He wants from us. And then He specifically mentions supplication. And I've used that term some today. We sometimes use the phrase intercession. Those are, are similar. It's, it's a plea or a request or a petition. Supplication is asking God. And it says, for all the saints. In other words, without prejudice. You don't just pray for yourself or your family. But all of those in your spiritual family. So that means here and there. Wherever the there is. Without distinction. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've been given things today to pray for. Clear across the world. What a privilege to pray for those that we one day will spend eternity with. And then, for what do we pray? Well, Paul gives us a great example here because he he gets real specific with verse 19. And we're not even going to go into the content of this, though that could be several sermons right there. 
But here's all I want you to notice is how specific he is. Verse 19, he says, And also for me, when he said, uh, making supplication for all the saints, and he says, also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It's a kingdom request, isn't it? He's not calling for more cushions for his sofa to make him more comfortable. He's saying, this is my calling. This is what God has called me to do. But it's not going to happen unless you pray for me. You see the means and the ends, how they come in there? And so he gets very specific. And it's all about accomplishing his calling. Is it ever appropriate to pray for other things, for sickness and things? Of course. All prayers. But what a, what a great example of a cutting-edge, kingdom-focused request that he is giving here. It's clear that he was convinced that the prayers of God's people are the only thing that would sustain him and enable him to accomplish what he was called to do. I mentioned Charles Spurgeon earlier. There's an account of uh, five young college students that went to, wanted to go hear him preach. And to hear Spurgeon preach, you had to get there early. There weren't enough seats for everybody that wanted to hear him preach, so they got there early. They were spending the day in London. And uh, somebody from the church saw them waiting there and said, would you like to tour the facilities? See, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> you want to see the church? Yeah, okay. And so they did, and they, they, he took them all around and so on. Then he said, uh, you, you want to see the furnace room? Well, it was the middle of July. I mean, it's like now. If, if we said, hey, you want to see our, our heat source? And they weren't that thrilled, but the guy had been nice to them. And they said, sure. And he took them down a set of steps, quietly opened the door, and they looked inside, and they saw 700 people crying out to God for blessing upon the service that was going to take place. He said, that's the boiler room. That's where the power comes from. He was convinced, by the way, the, the guy was Spurgeon himself. He was convinced that it wasn't about his eloquence. It wasn't about the, the facilities that the real and the only power came from that boiler room, the furnace room. I've been talking today a lot about prayer, individual prayer in our individual lives, as, as soldiers in this war. But you know, soldiers don't go to war alone. I want to give you an opportunity. On the first Saturday of 
2015, the elders of this church gathered in the conference room and literally started the year on our knees. And then we got up from our knees after, after praying and seeking God's face for a while, and then we, we walked to different parts of the church. We went to the Great Hall, and we went to the youth area, and we went to the children's area, and we went to uh, the educational area, and we ended up in here where we gather for worship and we prayed in all of those areas. It was a powerful time. Before our ministry year begins this August, we want to invite all of you to take part in a similar experience. We'll gather in the Great Hall on August 15th at 9 o'clock in the morning for SAPC Ministries Tour of Prayer. It was announced earlier, and some of you probably just let it go by, oh yeah, that, we'll let the praying people do that. We want to fill our building with people praying in concert for God to powerfully use us and our ministries. Everyone here, everyone at, at St. Andrews wants a healthy church. Everyone wants a growing church. Everyone wants to see souls coming to Christ. Every one of us who are part of this church want that. If we are to experience His power, we've got to re-enter that battle. And so let's go to battle. Let's have our own furnace room where the power of God is unleashed first as individuals and then together with the best way to tap into the power of the living God. And that is as we go to battle together in prayer.